0: Hey guys, welcome to Radical Rocks. I'm your host Shane, and today we've got a super exciting, information-packed first part show journey, for you. I was looking at Radical Rocks. Oh, there God. were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand and hills and rings. The first thing I found was a geocrystals, quartz with no clouds. Guys, we are going to get right into it. We have got so much information today to talk about. Uh, This is Season 2, Episode 132 of our podcast, which is completely different from our other media, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But today's show, we're going to talk about the latest diamond finding, a huge diamond over four carats found here in the U.S., We're going to talk about the Jedi Spindles, you know, after Star Wars, right? We're going to talk about gemstones as a portable wealth. One person who thought maybe they struck it wretch because they found some beautiful blue crystals in their attic. Also, what is Hessenite and where is it found? Then we have October's birthstones to talk about. And then, as always, we've got some dinosaur news, the Hell Dino, and we are going to look at some wonderful Japanese dinosaurs and their history. We'll talk about weathered rock and sulfite for skin care, peridot discovery, so much more. I haven't even covered it all, guys. It is going to be a jam-packed session. Hey, I want to thank you guys when you take the time to you know, comment positively and subscribe, it really helps us. Um, we're trying to get monetized. We're so close to it right now. Our YouTube channel, we have almost 800 subscribers. Those videos are completely different than here. Um, our uh, kind of down home style there, we go through lapidary, silver smithing, rock hounding trips, gold prospecting, uh, anything associated with lapidary, mining, uh, you know, on a small scale, like a person just going out and collecting and such. Not not like big mining or anything like that. Just surface collecting and mineral collecting, basically. All of that is on there. Silversmithing, making, hardening stones, if you've ever wanted to know how to do that. Um, and we are going to be putting more videos up. We try to get at least one a month out there. Due to time restraints, you're probably aware that uh, I do these radio podcasts one take. Uh, probably not the best idea, but due to time constraints, I want to get this information out to people and have something that you can listen to when you're driving and whatnot, and keep up to date with the latest findings and get a little bit of education along with the ride. So let's get right into it because we have a rock ton of information, guys. I just I couldn't believe how much great information there was today. I turned down a lot of stories and news just because I had to thin it down to the best stuff. There's a hidden gem down in Indy. And the, the town is spelled E-N-I-D, written by Kat Ginny. Uh, and it's at enidnews.com. And they've got a, uh, a little highlight here. Um, On September the 22nd, they're in the rock shop here showing people working on stuff. It's in Oklahoma. They work on all sorts of things. There's all sorts of treasures and things like that. It's got pictures of, uh, they have classes. That's why I mentioned this, not just, I'm not trying to advertise for a rock shop or a gem and mineral shop. Um, I wouldn't do that unless they were to, uh, you know, be nice enough to... uh, subsidize our station somehow and, and you know, maybe throw some some swag out to our listeners or something. But what they have is these classes and I think that's interesting. It's for children, adults, lapidary, polishing stones, silversmithing, wire wrapping, uh, glass beading, metal fold forming and the classes are 25 to 35 dollars. So if you want to check that out that might be nice. Next There's an Artifact Show on the horizon. Uh, This is at ColumbusTelegram.com. Andrew Kaiser uh, told us about this. Let's rock. Gym and Jewelry Show, Artifact Show that you can go to. Lots of gym and mineral dealers. Um, The Loop, L-O-U-P, Valley Gym and Mineral Society's 42nd Annual Gym and Mineral and Artifact Show. Uh, can be found in Oregon, or well, it says that he traveled to Oregon. Oh, it's got all kinds of states here. See, I thought that was Oregon. Um, It'll be at the LOUP, Loop Valley Gym and Mineral Society Artifact Show from 9 a.m. October 9th um, until October 10th at the Methodist Church. And I thought I knew the state for this because it had a bunch of states on there. So you're going to have to look up the state. It's here in the U.S., and I'm not seeing any more information. But some of the items that they have there are these thunder eggs that came from Oregon um, and South Dakota. So it sounds like it might be in South Dakota. Next, the stories are getting better. I'm just getting the gym shows out of the way. Uh, Gym and mineral show for October 8th through the 10th in Huntsville. By the way, not a plug, not a, not a sponsor of the show or anything, but Rockin' Jim Magazine has all the shows in it. Um, every, they go month by month, all the areas around the United States. And this show is in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, there's going to be gyms, geodes, scavenger hunts, fossil digs, moon rock, all kinds of neat stuff. So you might want to check that out. It's at the JC Community Center in John Hunt Park. In Huntsville. All right, guys, now we have some real exciting news. There was found a giant diamond uh, just the last few days or weeks. A uh, couple was visiting, uh, it was on their uh, bucket list to go to the crater, the diamond crater. It's in the New York dot NYPost.com, under Couple Stops at National Park Leaves with Giant Diamond by Ben Cost they found a whopper there's several articles about this um this one tells you that uh this rock uh, that they found they couldn't believe it it's a beautiful canary yellow um and they explored in about 40 minutes they found this thing (laughs) just crazy 4.38 carat yellow diamond um it clean shiny it is beautiful they've got some nice pictures of it here I looked at some other articles and the estimated value is over $15,000 just as it sits. Um, Man, looking at it, I think it could go for even more. There's been 250 diamonds found this year at the park that total, uh, I think they had the total of the carats here somewhere, total, let's see, the largest diamond ever discovered there was 40.23 carats, a clear diamond. Uh, Later cut into a 12.42 carat, bought for $150,000 in 1971. I'm sure it's much more valuable now. Um, There's another article that said, called it the jelly bean um, rock. Real pretty. And I'll stumble across that story in a minute. Now, our friends at the Orange Belt Mineralogical Society, you want to join that club if you're in the area. They've got some great field trips They've got a field trip to a beautiful place that we did a video on called Lavik. You can find beautiful rainbow jaspers, different variegated jaspers. You can find plume agates there. You can find other types of agates, all different colors, yellows, orange, green, pink. Um, It's just a wonderful place. Reds, um, a wonderful place to go collect jaspers and many other things. Their trip will be. Um, it says uh, the 25th and 26th. So, well, it's actually that's October. That's over with. Whoops. Okay, I just got this last week. So there is another field trip though, and we will talk about that one in a minute too. But Lavik is a good trip, and you want to get with these guys so you can get this right away. If you're in the club, they usually talk about these trips way before the newsletter comes out. I don't think they should put the newsletter out the week before they do it. Here is a show about digging in the dirt to find treasure. Um, Alex Billington on the 29th at firstshowing.net writes about a show where you are going to follow behind people who are digging for diamonds and get to see these um, diamonds that are dug up at the crater of the Diamond State Park. Um, You just never know. People could dig and dig and dig and never find anything. And then all of a sudden, somebody bumps into one of these beautiful gems like we've talked about. Newly discovered species shows what it was like during Japan's dinosaur age. I found this quite fascinating at japan-forward.com. You can... Read so much about the dinosaur history of Japan, we'll go over it a little bit. Um, Yoiko Yuni is the writer, and i probably slaughter in the name. I apologize for that. But all kinds of beautiful graphics here talking about the prolific shoreside dinosaurs that they had that coexisted. Many of these were herbivore dinosaurs. Um, quite a few varieties of them they have the names and types um, that you can find some of them that you might be familiar with Um, about a dozen or so species here that uh, might have co-mingled pictures of them including the duckbill one that we're familiar with another little one that stands upright on two legs with uh, like fur and feathers um, they have it depicted here with yellow and stripes. Of course, they're, they're just kind of guessing, but quite amazing looking little creatures. Another uh, two-legged dino that uh, looked like uh, upright, looked more like a bird with vicious teeth. Um, shows that it is, was a uh, bipedialism. Uh, they feel was a uh, they have the dinosaur record to show this transition if you're into following that and then the researcher uh, katsushiro kubuta said that uh, they have found a lot of eggs and uh, this is helping them understand how um, the different species were there and of course they have their evolutionary thoughts and theses there Um, but with these eggs here they found what they believe is the earliest dinosaur eggshell uh, for sure in Japan. And that was found in uh, in only 2021, not that long ago. So what they're finding out here is that uh, they found some imprints also of perfect feathers from these dinosaurs. So more feathers to um, verify that these huge creatures were not more like reptiles, but more like birds than uh, we had thought large sickle-shaped claws on their back feet. This trodon, Trodontite species, medium-sized feather pteropod dinosaurs that are similar to birds with large sickle-shaped claws on their feet emerged in, in Asia during the early Cretaceous period and believed to have thrived also uh, somewhat in the northern hemisphere. They found five eggshells, um, quite thick, And when they look at it, they believe these are the eggshells of this Tridonatine uh, dinosaur, closely related to um, other species in the area. Very, very neat. The pictures are amazing. You can see the eggshell fragments and pieces in the photos where these fossils were excavated. They've also found some beautiful footprints of these creatures. Looks just like bird footprints. They have a picture of that there. The footprint is about as big as your head. They found pteropods, uh, their claws. So they have some of their claws here that are a centimeter long, the tips of them. And they're finding that this was a rich biological area and system with many, many of the Triannosaurus family there as well, and the uh, other dinosaurs that you can read about there, so I don't slaughter the names. but pretty neat um, the so far the total is 2200 vertebrate fossils and 30 types of dinosaurs have been found in the city of kujiai so check that out um, our friends over in japan brazilian paleontologists discovered a new carnis, uh, carnivore dinosaur on NewsOnSix.com, 6com you can read this um, all about it they've got a uh, image of one in front of the display it stands about as high as a grown man. It's a two-legged dinosaur. Looks like it could bite your head off pretty easily and uh, tear you to bits if it wanted to. And this is the new dinosaur that they felt roamed their country many, many years ago. By It had strong legs and short arms. was about 5 meters or 16 feet long with a rigid tail dubbed Carupai Itia. And I think that's how you pronounce it, but I'm probably off. But there it is. You can check that out if you want. That pretty much sums up our dinosaur news. Um, I did find the other information on the, what I believe, is the diamond discovery. Yes, largest one found this year by Jolie Goldstein at people.com. And you can check that out. This California couple found this. Uh, 4.37 yellow carat diamond and we talked about that there's a beautiful picture of it here it is so clear and so beautiful Um, yeah you got to go there this has got to be on our bucket list guys to go to the Arkansas crater diamond I would love to go here man (laughs) that would be amazing it's just the pictures are spectacular of this thing this is the site you want to go to see the best pictures of this diamond wow So We've already talked about that diamond, but you want to go to that site too to see the pictures. Peridot Discovery. Wow. A lot of Peridot out there. Let me get a swig of coffee here. I love my coffee, folks. That's just the way it is. It's my blood, actually. I think if you cut me, caffeine's going to just come pouring out. At ft.com Fuji, or excuse me, Fuli. I hope I'm saying that right. It's F-U-L-I apostrophe S. Fuli's peridot gem discovery captures designers' imagination. Now, this actually was not discovered in a island um, like that. Um, They talk about the history of peridot, which we know uh, Queen uh, Cleopatra thought she had emeralds, but it turns out she may have had giant peridot stones that uh, came from the deserts in that area. But in these Bia mountains of Dunhaya, in the Chinese border with North Korea, this Fuli, F-U-L-I, however you say that, is an area where they are mining these fine, fine peridot gemstones now, not that I'm really into supporting um, probably a government ran gemstone, but it is something to note, and uh, we do want to talk about it. And uh, if you're into that, well, then there they are. You can get them. These beauties are mined out of there. Um, they call the room. Uh, they call the area where it's mined the Room and Pillar Mine. Um, where there is all kinds of peridot in the mine. They have these pictures of these drilling. um, When they drill, if you're not familiar with drilling, they're using a round uh, bit and they pull out these cores. So basically it's just a cylindrical piece of rock. They're drilling out and then they pop that off and then they bring it up. Well, they have pictures of it here. It's in this beautiful blue stone, which I don't know what it is. I guess it's Got to be volcanic because Peridot's volcanic. Um, and then there is the Peridot. So, the cu- the name of this has to do with the beautiful color. Um, and they have a ring down at the bottom of the page where it is a beautiful, very close to emerald color. Spectacular. Um, some of these rings uh, with these Peridots, uh, like on these cuffs, uh, cuff links that they have, $145,000. That's some pretty expensive cufflinks. Yeah, nice. And uh, you can check that out if you want. And you might see some of that in the market. Now, what about sulfur? Sulfur is a mineral, yellow mineral. Um, How does it help your skin? Why is it good for your skin? Well, if you go to Allure.com, it's going to say why sulfur is skincare's ultimate exfoliator and healer by Jahan Forbes, and she wrote about this. There's a beautiful picture of some sulfite that they borrowed from Getty Images. They talk about sulfur just can help draw poisons out of your skin, opens up your pores, absorbs excess oil, also very good for helping acne, probably kills bacteria that's not helpful on your skin too, would be my guess. Um, it can help skin issues like eczemia, rosaria, rosa, 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 or you know where your skin turns all red. Um, people have a problem with that. It minimizes inflammation and yes, it says here it does kill bacteria. Wow. And can even treat dandruff. Wow. Amazing product that can help. Why does it stink? Well, it says... Um, sulfur can sometimes stink like rotten eggs not real pleasant Um, and if you use a sulfur-based skin product the it it doesn't mean that the product's gone bad that smell is hydrogen sulfide and that lets you know that the sulfur is in there and uh, they're you know not having the chemicals and things like that they're they're just not really telling you where it comes from it just comes from sulfur that's about it and it's not that this, the product is rotten if you buy their actual product there. So it's just the smell of sulfur. That's the way it is. All right, next, weathered rock. Guys, weathered rock. This article, um, I'm not gonna go into it much uh, except to cite it. It's at kdminer.com, Louis Vegas, Mojave County Geology Weathering by Louis Vegas. Uh, he goes into weathering. He has a beautiful picture here of a petroglyph, which is these images that Native Americans here in the United States and aborigines in Australia and all over the world, um, native people of ancient days have made these uh, designs on the rocks by chipping off the weathering, the varnish. The varnish uh, can take, depending on the area, Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, 500 years um, or longer for this black coating that appears on the rock. This blackness that you see on the rock and darkness that you see on the rocks, especially in desert areas, is called a varnish. It's due to oxidization of the rock weathering off the face on certain types of stones, especially granite-type stones. Um, you can find these all over the place. But one thing I want to tell you is when you are in the desert and you see black rocks everywhere, that does not mean they are volcanic. If you're really a rock hound, you're going to want to go up to that rock, look around, and see if anybody's chipped away an edge somewhere um, and try to chip away an edge in a um, an area that is not seen from a vantage point, you know, uh, along the sides of the mountains to be considerate and not um, deface these weathered rocks just for the sake of defacing them, okay? Because there's a a conscientious way to do it. Now, I knew an old timer back in the day, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and he ran, there was a gold and mineral... um, Mostly a gold shop. They sold gold supplies. And it was in um, Fontana, California. And I can't even remember exactly where it was. I think it was on, oh, I don't know. It might have been on Baseline or Highland or Foothill. One of those main drags in, off of Sierra Avenue. And this old timer there, he would talk and talk about rocks. And he went prospecting all the time out in the deserts of Lucerne Valley. Lucerne Valley had a lot of weathered rock. And he would chip those corners off and check. And he located a gold mine this way. He found what was a quartz outcrop. It had, um, I remember him showing me, it had a lot of green quartz in it. And it had a significant amount of gold, at least a quarter ounce per ton is what it assayed out on. Um, but the specimens were pretty. The gold was locked in the matrix. So, you know, it wasn't visible gold or anything. But uh, still, a really... Really nice finding. So, when I saw this, um, it made me think about the weathered rocks and you know how you just don't know what you're getting. Like, you take road night if you're hunting for road night, and if you watched my videos on uh, road night and on collecting in Wrightwood in the San Bernardino Mountains, I took several trips up there to locate some road night and finally found it. And it was beautiful with bright pink rhodnite inside, but the outside was pure black and it oxidizes so you don't see the pink unless you chip away some of that oxidization and look at it. So there's all sorts of discoveries that can be found just by taking a closer look at that weathered rock. Okay, Next, BrinkWire. Uh, at BrinkWire.com it says. Uh, da, 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 da. It says after uh, there is no title here, it just says Brinkwire. It says after bench remnants were discovered on the Isle of Wright, W I G H T, a new species of unknown hell dinosaur was identified. Uh, they've been talking about this, I think, periodically, but this beast is an upright beast, meat-eater, much like the T-Rex that we love to talk about, but it's from the Cretaceous period, very early period, according to scientists. This was, um, you know, before the Jurassic period and all that. This uh, Spinosaurus, enormous, with a crocodile-like head, um, and probably water-dwelling creature that uh, could have... um, I mean, they don't know if these things had... uh, Flippers or not, you know they see the toe prints, but they could have had flippers. They don't know, um, but these dinosaurs were huge. They do believe, by based on the skull, that they were in water and uh, on land. Beautiful, huge creatures. I believe they weigh tons, tons more than a T. Rex. And the word for this uh, translates into horned crocodile-faced hair. Uh, Hell, heron. <laughs> crazy, crazy. That's one of their dinosaurs. Oh, this is the... What did they find here? Yeah, I guess that's it. 29 feet long. Wow. 29 feet long and stood um, just just almost as tall, it looks like to me. Now, birthstones. Here we are. We're in October. We talked about opals last... Um, last week, so we're not going to go into I think we did, we're not going to go into opals too much we go into it a lot, it is a birthstone also, tremoline is a birthstone for opal but if you want to read a neat article about opal, go to (coughs) Forbes.com look up the modern artistry of opals opals birthstone or October's birthstone by Beth Bernstein sorry, i got to have some coffee and she has some beautiful earrings here. She talks about all the different types of opal, uh, black opal, blue opal, um, quite a bit of opal here and displayed in fine jewelry and uh, talks about these special pieces. Some of them decorated with other gemstones. Quite amazing. You can check that out if you want to. Next, Hessenite. So I came across this article um, in the DailyPioneer.com, and it mentioned all these gemstones and it didn't tell me anything about them except their uh, metaphysical uh, qualities. So Hesonite here was supposed to be uh, protecting you from anxiety and illness, even mental illness. So I was like, okay, what is Hesonite? And maybe I've gone over this before and I just don't remember. But it ends up, it is a beautiful garnet. Um, if you go to gemselect.com and you look up what is Hessenite garnet, it's gonna pop up and tell you about this beautiful garnet. It has uh, uh, aluminum sulfites, uh, it's calcium aluminum sulfites and Hessenite is part of a group of garnets that is a orange honey yellow to orange brown to a brown red it's just a rich looking orange color I would say the most valuable ones would be that way some of the browner ones um, also are interesting but you want uh, some good translucence through that and c- good clarity quite a beautiful stone it is a uh, comes from a Vetic austral, or excuse me astrological uh, tradition. It is one of the nine planetary gemstones used along with ruby, diamond, pearl, and red coral, blue sapphire, cat's eye, yellow sapphire, and emerald. So, Hesanites also known as Sanskrit, also go media, meaning cow fat. It's a stone associated with Ra'u, ra-u the moon's ascending node. Um, so, it goes into all this stuff, and there was one other thing I wanted to share with you about it, but I am not seeing it here, let me look also, okay, here it is, places that it can be found, if you go to mindat.org, a treasure trove of information there, um, and look up Hesonite, you're going to see some beautiful pictures of Hesonite, and you are going to see that uh, this garnet is found all over the world, several places in the United States um, not really so much in Africa, a little bit in South America. The main mines are South America, um, up toward, um, looks like Nor Norway, possibly. Interesting. Let's see here. I have to scroll down here. Um, Calneva Mineral Company has it. Um, Australia says they have it but yes they are mining it in looks like New Zealand off the coast of Australia here according to the map Australia Queensland South Australia Um, you can find it in Germany Um, Austria Canada Quebec China Czech Germany all over in Germany Uh, Greece was one of the original areas it was found Italy and uh, where else? Sardinia, Kenya, Norway. Okay, so it was Norway, Pakistan, Peru, Poland, Russia, Spain, Sri Lanka, Switzerland, Taiwan, all over the U.S. You can find it in California, Colorado, Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, North. Uh, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Washington. So this gemstone is found all over the place. It's crazy. All right. The Jedi gemstone. What is it? What is a Jedi gemstone, and why do they call it a Jedi gemstone? At indexonline.com. It's it's IDEX, actually. I-D-E-X, online.com. There's an article called Grading Reports for the Star Wars Red Gemstones, Star Wars in parentheses, by John Jeffrey. Now, what they are is it's spinel. Um, I think I said that in the introduction. Why do they call it Jedi? Well, this is kind of the trade name they came up with. Hopefully, uh, they don't get sued by uh, Star Wars. But uh, Jedi spinels are called that because they have no dark side Interesting. So these red gemstones are spectacularly clear, they fluorescent um, and they are a magnesium aluminum member of the cubic crystal system that occur in many colors, very popular in Asia when they are highly saturated pinks to reds. So pinks to reds, but not real dark, no dark tones. Okay, These are going to be very clear um, and they're going to reflect a lot of light because of that. So these are going to be spectacular high quality spindles. All right. Um, I did have a page. It's not gone. It's gone. How about gemstones as a portable wealth? Um, You know, we hear a lot about cryptocurrencies and how this is portable wealth. All you have to do is remember anywhere from 12 to 24 words in order perfectly and you will be able to retrieve your wallet anywhere in the world, and nobody is going to be able to take your money. Well, gemstones are, surprisingly, according to BrinkWire.com, portable wealth is a term used to describe riches that can be moved around the four components of successful diamond investment strategy. I don't know about that. That's their words, not mine. But apparently, you know, you can travel around with gemstones pretty easily, um, they're not going to get uh, picked up in a metal detector and people can usually wear a decent amount of gemstones and carry a certain amount of gemstones um, pretty easily without uh, creating a stir. Um, yeah, that would be very easy to do. So that is part of it. Now, striking it rich, this is a really interesting story. Um, I, I'm going to tell it to you right after I give you the update. I did give you the update on Orange Belt Mineralogical Society. you see, Orange Belt, they were having a trip. Um, and I think that was already this weekend, right? Field trip October 24th. Okay, so that's no good. I'm not going to talk about that again. But the searchers were having a trip too, and I had it. Oh, that's what's, that's what's not loading. There was another trip from the searchers in Anaheim. And it's not going to load for me, it looks like. So I was going to see. It also was in Lovick, And I was going to check and see if that was the same week. No, it's not going to come up. All right, but I do have one more story for you. Um, Egypt's gold and gemstone exports are down 66% according to bolnews.com. And I'm just wondering if this is... Uh, I'm going to do more research on this in coming weeks to see if the gemstone sales are down because all this year I've been reading they're up, they're up, they're way up. Um, Maybe the market's saturated and the prices are coming down on gemstones. Maybe the economy, um, because of COVID and stuff, is starting to suffer enough that gemstones are not uh, booming as much as they were. So that's something to keep your eye on if you are interested in Uh, investing in gemstones and um, as an alternative investment, you might want to keep an eye on that. FYI to my gemstone investing friends. All right. Now we're going to get into this really cool article on Striking It Rich. I thought, oh, great. Another story about someone finding, you know, a diamond or an opal or something or some tanzanite, giant piece of tanzanite. But this one took a turn. Uh, Lindell mckeely wrote on Helenair.com, h-e-l-e-n air.com um, on the third and there is a question mark picture in this big blue iridescent rocks that to me they look fake almost right so I don't know if you spend time on eBay looking for stones, but there's a lot of man-made gemstones out there. And they're so perfect and so clear that uh, you read the fine print and you find out that they are actually lab-created minerals um, to look like a real mineral collection when they are not genuinely made by uh, God or Mother Nature or whatever you choose to believe. They are man-made. So I thought, huh, what's going on here with this story? Well, this particular lady here, I believe it was a lady, had a house that they bought and buried up in the attic under some dirt, some grease, and some rusty nails when they were cleaning out the attic and the filth of a 1936 shop. So it was a shop. Um, this lady did not have much knowledge of rocks and minerals, very rudimentary. She saw these beautiful blue crystals and thought, you know, maybe they're azurite. Um, they saw that their, her folks had a mine, which was an azurite and green malachite mine. Um, not very productive apparently. And so she thought these were azurite. So... Eventually, years later, she took them to a mineral museum at the Montana Tech. So apparently she lives in Montana. All kinds of azurite, all kinds of minerals from these copper mines from southwest Montana. And her stones didn't look right. But she did encounter someone at uh, at the Tech that was friendly and helpful and... Mr. Gammons in the Geological Engineering Department was able to solve the mystery, okay? He suspected this was calcite, C-A-L-C-A-N-T-H-I-T-E, canthite, And he said, people grow it. So immediately she thought, what a drag. Um, if it's just man-made, then, you know, Mine's probably junk. So she, you know, gathered up some more of the stones and they looked at them closer and these stones had other minerals in them. So he was able to say, guess what? These are naturally formed. So he pulled out a tool, he pointed it at the crystal and it had a readout. It was for identifying minerals and it gave the percentages of elements in it. And sure enough, it was in fact the... Uh, Cal cow can thite that he had thought. And it read out that it was 27.4% copper and 18.9% sulfur. So doesn't really know where it went, uh, where it came from. Um, but she had other ore from their mine that was near Elston. And, uh, this had assayed out with a lot of lead, but, uh, these minerals, she just did not know about it. So, were they worth millions of dollars? No, she thought maybe for a second, maybe there were some kind of rareness. But interesting things about this stone came from the Greek. Calco means copper of the word um, from the mineral, and anthos means flower because as it grows, it's like flower-like near the top of copper deposits where water in the mine evaporates more quickly than Azerite crystals. So they are not stable like Azerite and she found this out when she went to try to clean them and brush them off and the water started to turn a beautiful green blue. Well, then she took the rocks out that she put in there and took them out right away. Their value uh, was more of one that enriched her enjoyment of the amazing things of nature, and that was the end of the story. So, why does it say um, getting rich? I don't know. Interesting article. So, guys, I want to thank you for stopping by. Um, really appreciate if you would go by radicalrocks.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom. We have some rocks listed on there. You can look at those. They're real pretty. Um, from all over, um, some of the ones that we decided to sell from our collection. But if you go all the way to the bottom, our social media, the links are there. Um, we're trying to get more subscribers for our YouTube channels. All of that stuff is available to you. MeWe, um, parlor, and uh, Facebook links are all there. So join up and join in. And remember, in the meantime, rockhounds don't die. They, you know, petrify.